Millard's face tightened. Next, James Mann, strapping and good-looking at seventeen years old, stepped into the doorway, left open to allow a breeze through the stifling boxcar. The sight of his oldest son caused Millard to suck in a deep breath. His heart felt as if a Comanche lance had pierced it. James looked just like his uncle, Millard's brother, Jimmy. Millard and Libby had named their firstborn after Millard's youngest brother. Millard himself was the middleborn, the only son of Wilbur and Lucretia Mann left alive. His wife's face lost its joy, its brightness, when Millard rode close enough for her to read his face, and she quickly moved over to stand between Chris and Jacob, putting hands on the children's shoulders. James had started for him, but also stopped, probably detecting something different, something foreboding in his father. Whoa, boy. Millard reined in the horse and made himself take a deep breath. Hi, Pa, Chris sang out. Even that did not boost Millard's spirits. What is it? his wife asked. What's the matter? He shot a glance at the sheathed rifle and then lifted his gaze, first at Libby, but finally finding his oldest son. Their eyes locked. Millard dismounted. It's Jimmy. Jimmy Mann, the youngest of the Mann brothers, had been a deputy U.S. Marshal in the Western District of Arkansas, including the Indian Nations, the jurisdiction of Judge Isaac Parker, the famous hanging judge based in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Jimmy had been around 35 years old when he had ridden up to the boxcar Millard and his family called home sometime late summer. When was that? Millard could scarcely believe it. Not even a full year ago. Sitting at the table, he glanced around what they used as the kitchen. It was hard to remember all the particulars, but James had been playing that little kid's game with his younger siblings, using the Montgomery Ward and Company catalog to pick out gifts they would love for Christmas. James doing it to pacify Jacob and Chris. Millard had been on some stretch of the railroad, and Libby had been in McAdam, a block of buildings and vacant lots that passed for a town and served as a stop on the railroad. Jimmy, taking a leave from his marshalling job, had found Millard, and they had ridden home together to surprise the children. James had been interested in a rifle sold by the catalogue. A Winchester Model 1886 repeating rifle in forty-five seventy caliber. Millard frowned. What was it Jimmy had said in jest? Oh, yeah. In case you all get attacked by a herd of dragons. Millard smiled at the memory. Most rifles out there were forty-four caliber or thereabouts. A forty-five seventy was used in the army or in old buffalo rifles, and those were single shots. The Winchester 86 was the first successful repeating rifle strong enough to handle that big a load. Millard's weary smile faded. A rifle like that would cost a good sum, even considering the discounted prices at Montgomery Ward. But Jimmy had given James a lesson shooting Jimmy's Winchester 73 40 caliber carbine. Millard couldn't understand it, but there had always been a strong bond between James and his uncle. Jimmy had always seen something in Millard's son that, try as he might, Millard just could not find.
His right hand left his coffee cup and fell against the mule ear pocket of his trousers and Jimmy's badge that was inside. His eyes closed as he remembered Jimmy's dying words back on that hilltop cemetery in Tescosa. You'll give this to James, you hear? Millard looked again at the beaten-up Winchester 86. Jimmy's head was cradled by that sharpshooting card-sharper surely something or other. He couldn't recall her last name and never quite grasped the relationship between her and his brother. But he knew that rifle. Jimmy had tracked the notorious outlaw Danny Waco across half the West trying to get that rifle. Danny Waco's lifeless, bloody body lay in a crimson lake just a few feet from Jimmy. Millard said softly, I hear you. Other men from Tess.